This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it. And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. If you are on social media very much, you no doubt have seen some of these horrible TikTok videos. Have you seen these? They have these young girls screaming obscenities about Donald Trump or yelling about conservatives or anybody who runs afoul of their wild-eyed adherence to progressivism. And yes, sometimes they literally are wild-eyed if you watch these videos. But it does make you wonder what their home lives were like, what they were taught in school or on the internet, who influenced their political ideology. Some of them, sadly, even came out of homes where the parents were Christians or conservatives who wanted their daughters to embrace truth and traditional conservative values and follow in their footsteps. And yet they were devastated when their girls went in the opposite direction. Where can parents turn to get some help and guidance on raising their daughters to reject the insanity of the left? Boy, it's important. There's not much out there on the subject, but my next guest has written a terrific guide that is sure to help thousands of moms and dads. So joining us now is Michelle Easton. She is founder and president of the Claire Booth Luce Center for Conservative Women and author of the book we'll be discussing, How to Raise a Conservative Daughter. I love that title. Michelle, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be with you. Thank you. You have spent your life in the conservative movement, so many years equipping young women to become conservative leaders. I'm curious to ask what your assessment is on how difficult it really is to raise a conservative daughter in this day and age. It's very much more difficult today than it was 10 or 20 or 40 years ago. And it's because I've been working with young women for 28 years here at the Center for Conservative Women that I decided to write this as a guide for parents, for grandparents, for anyone in a position to influence the development of a young woman, because the cultural forces arrayed against the family today can be terrifying. Yep. You know, it used, used to be if your family was conservative, you went to church, you could pretty much count on, on a young woman turning out conservative, turn out reasonable. But it's just not true today with the, you mentioned the toxic social media, radical indoctrination in too many schools, the entertainment industry. You know, it's just, it's because parents are conservative. It's not enough anymore. These beliefs, you have to start when the girls are young, teach them, nurture them, cultivate them. And your chances of success are much greater if you start to think about it. But it's different now than it was when I grew up, certainly, and probably when you grew up, Janet. Yes. Very different. Yes, it is very different. It is very. Do you happen to think that girls are any more vulnerable than boys when it comes to being influenced by progressivism or some of the propaganda on the Internet or in schools? Are girls more susceptible, would you think, in many cases than boys are to being influenced in a wrong direction? I think it's probably true. And I, someone would criticize me and say I'm, I'm stereotyping, but girls have a heart. Girls can be a little more emotional, which to me is a plus, but they also can be appealed to on some of these emotional uh, grounds that are not as rational, and um, I think sometimes they are. I know that in terms of behaviors, (laughs) we know that young women and young men, um, uh, that they react very differently to intimacy. In fact, one of our most popular books 
uh, Jan. It's called Sense and Sexuality, and it's for college and high school girls, a guide to real protection in a hooked-up world. Mm. And what it talks about, it's not moralistic. I like to be moralistic, but it's not. <laughs> it's scientific and medical, and it talks about the different reactions, physical, medical, between men and women, you know, just starting out kissing and hugging. We have this hormone that comes out. Uh, it's the same hormone that we get when uh, when we nurse our babies. We, we, we bond. We fall in love, much more so than most men. Um, there's real differences between men and women in a physical sense, um, and especially when it comes to sexuality. And yep. uh, so, yeah, I think that... Women are, it is tougher with women. And also, when you talk about the, the liberal influences, with the women, with the young girls, it's not just liberals and leftists, it's feminists. It's mm. the feminists who dominate uh, in so many of the colleges and some of the high schools. And yeah. it suggests that, um, you know, we're all just the same, men and women, and, you know, these families and children, such a burden. Just take care of yourself, have your career. That is so wrong. That is so wrong. But too many, too many young women buy into it. And that's why I wrote this book, Dad, because if you start thinking about it and working as a parent, uh, you know, when your children are younger or even when they're in high school, even when they're in college, you start to think about it um, and, and how to instill conservative values. I've got all kinds of practical real-life applications for things that can be done. So uh, it's, it's a challenge right now. It's a huge challenge. It's tougher to be a parent today than it was when my parents were raising me. I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. I think you, you're you right on the money about everything you just said, Michelle. I couldn't agree more with you. Now, you start out your book by stressing that the greatest gift parents can give their daughters is the knowledge that they're uniquely made and loved by God. I could not agree more with you. Why is that the first thing that ought to be stressed in a girl's life? It's really a cornerstone of conservatism. You know, this notion of the liberals that, um, you know, we don't really need religion because we have government. Government's going to take care of you. Well, you know, (laughs) why do totalitarian and tyrannical governments oppose atheism? Because people of faith know their self-worth come from God, not from government. And this threatens dictators uh, who control and and want power. You know, why is it that in Cuba and North Korea, uh, in uh, communist China, they torture, beat, imprison people of faith? To crush, to crush them. It's to crush freedom. It's to crush the basic conservative ideas and to enforce atheism. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a cornerstone of of policy, but it's also a cornerstone of a young woman's feelings about herself. A lot of liberals, especially in public schools and some of the private, they talk about self esteem. <laughs> you know, it's so important to have self esteem. No, no, no. Self esteem is a a satisfaction in yourself, where self-worth, it's a deeply conservative concept, and it's the greatest gift parents can give their daughter, you know, knowing, as you said, she's uniquely made and unconditionally loved by God. That's self-worth. That's very, very different, and, and learning that self-worth is rooted in things far greater than what the uh, what the world tells her. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a challenge, but the faith the faith is an absolute cornerstone. And I say to parents who may not be devout, may not have a lot of faith, take her to church anyway. Take her to church. Let her hear the Bible. Let her hear the Word of the Lord. Let her associate with people of faith. And who knows? It's good. <laughs> um, it's, 
It's you know the other joke is until you've uh, you've loved the Lord and had faith, what are you going to rebel against when you're 18? <laughs> some of them do, and then they do, and then they come back to it. But if you're just totally ignorant about faith and the Bible and and the Lord, you're 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 really doomed in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, you sure are. You sure are, and you know that's so important because when you're talking about God versus government, which is a fundamental concept for people to understand the difference between the preeminence of God over the preeminence of government, we're now in a day and age where we're having to explain to younger generations. In fact, you can't just come up with something you want and declare it a human right because this flies in the face of what our founders understood is the source of our rights, which is God Himself. Self and and we get all mixed up. These young kids, it just breaks my heart to see them getting all mixed up on how to even go to those foundational concepts and grasp them, such that they can understand further truths that flow out of those fundamental truths. It's just heartbreaking to watch it. That's right. And the way that kids uh, are taught history in both public and private schools, and they don't even call it history in many places. They call it social studies. They don't teach them, you know, what our founding fathers wrote in the Declaration, that men are created equal and endowed by their creator with unalienable, that means impossible to take away, unalienable rights. And, you know, this is part of understanding what makes America so exceptional. Uh, Part of being patriotic and loving America, all this hate of America, we've seen this last... July 4th. You can bet not, most of those people never learned that our rights as American citizens come from God, yep. not from government. And our founding fathers taught that, and for decades and decades they taught that in school, and then an awful lot of schools, the kids never hear that. No, you're right about that, Michelle. There's so much more to discuss. We'll pause for a short break. Michelle Easton with us. How to Raise a Conservative Daughter is her book, and we'll come back to the discussion on Janet Meffer today after this. This is Janet Mafford. We're partnering with Bible League International to send God's word to 1,500 Bibleist believers in Africa, in many parts of countries like Kenya, Tanzania, Ghana, and Mozambique. As many as nine out of 10 Christians are denied God's word because of corrupt governments, majority religions, remoteness, and poverty. They've never been able to read 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Reading that promise of God means everything to you and me, and now it will means so much to these Bibleist Christians in Africa when you respond. Here's Pastor John in Mozambique. One occasion, I found a pastor that was leading a church of 90 church members. And he was having one Bible that was starting from Exodus and ends to the Ephesians. And he was leading the church with that Bible. So, when we went to give them the Bible, imagine joy. They sang, they danced, they cried, and they praised God for the gift 
of the Bible. $5 sends one Bible, $100 sends 20, $500 sends 100, and your gift of any size will help us meet our goal of sending 1,500 Bibles to Africa. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there's an Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Actually, the, the need is great. If you could remember the other picture of a lady who was trying to show me the Bible, that pastor, I understand you work with Bible, but we don't have Bibles here. So that, that, that lady had a Bible from Exodus to the book of Hebrews. That's all. You see that. So there is a great need of Bibles. Send God's word to a Bibleist believer in Africa today for only $5. Call 800-YESWORD. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. It's great to have you along and great to have with us Michelle Easton. She is founder and president of the Claire Booth Luce Center for Conservative Women and author of the book we're discussing, How to Raise a Conservative Daughter. I'm very thankful, Michelle. I have three daughters myself, and so this is right in my wheelhouse. I I love that you have written this book. And we're talking about all of these you know, cultural forces and propaganda forces that are assailing our daughters across the board in new ways that we've never seen before when we compare them to our own childhoods. You know, one of the things that you touched on before, and I want to ask your opinion on this, is the importance of family. When you talk about feminists and the effect of the sexual revolution and how that's had so many repercussions from abortion to, you know, you shouldn't have more children and, you know, you're all breeders and all these discussions about how you should put your career above your family, you know, the family is under total assault. And I'm wondering if you could comment on the importance of instilling the value of family in our girls and say, no, actually having babies is a wonderful thing. And so is having a husband, not just shacking up. You should have a family. That's right. And actually, that's my chapter two. My first chapter is on God. My chapter two is family first. The family is really the building block of civilization, ours and every other successful one. And a strong, close family increases the odds of a stable, happy future for daughters and for sons. It's the, the best defense against poverty and the best source of love and, and, and life, lifelong support. So what I encourage parents to do is to use their marriage to show their daughters what a loving relationship looks like, because that's going to be her model. And, you know, for those, sometimes things happen, life gets messy. For those who are raising their daughters alone, they can still use a family-first approach by, uh, by, by building uh, strong, supporting relationships with relatives and with church family. Um, but a strong, close family really increases the chances of your daughter having a successful life. Good, um, good. Yep. That's yep. excellent. And and the importance of instilling virtues in girls. I know that's not considered cool anymore, but teaching girls how to be modest and how to respect their both their parents and their elders to be polite, to conduct themselves in a in a good way, a polite way, a considerate way to people around them. I, I mean, I think sometimes we forget how foundational those things are to instill in our daughters. They need to learn that and be trained to do those things and to value those things in the home and and outside of the home. Absolutely right. And uh, one of the virtues I write about in How to Raise a Conservative Daughter is uh, hard work. Yes. And, and, you (laughs) know, to be honest, over the 28 years I've been here working with just thousands of young women, it's really the most consistent trait I've seen in these young women who are leaders that I've worked with. You know, once they're old enough, they tend to have jobs and responsibilities that, that teach them the value of hard work. 
the leftist, AOC, talks about, you know, we need to have economic security for all those who are unable or unwilling to work. Ugh. I mean, it's, it's unthinkable yep. for most Americans. Unwilling to work. Um, it's central. Hard work is central to both the American dream and to our, our daughter's personal development. Work. Yep. That's right. I mean, we, we have in our family this policy of when you turn 16, you get a job. And it's not just because we want our kids to pay for themselves, but it's to instill that ethic in them that money doesn't grow on trees and, and we love you and we're here to support you. But you need to understand how important it is to get your hustle on and be able to get out there and save. And, and that in and of itself has been interesting to see in our family, how much that has taught the kids and how much they resonate with, for example, what the current administration says about, you know, handing out money to everybody and they get mad. They're like, well, why don't these people get jobs? I'm like, they're getting it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, You know, when you separate work from income, this is really destructive. The truth is that in my first job and most people, you know, you think about your first job and you smile. I remember getting that first paycheck. I I was I worked in a movie theater and I and I and I uh, did the candy stand. And uh, (laughs) I I remember getting that first paycheck and just being shocked. I mean, it was little. It was about a dollar twenty five an hour minimum wage. All the taxes they took out. Oh, well, yes. you know, that's better than two hours of lectures about this as a government. <laughs> when you, you've been working hard and you see what they're taking out. Uh, then, you know, the other thing is for me, it was a chance to, um, it was a safe, you always want to have your girls in a safe place where there's uh, good adults around, but it's a chance to get to know people different from me um, and diff- different kinds of uh, interests and different kinds of approaches. Um, And it was a wonderful building experience for me. And I have been working ever since I was 16, uh, either, you know, paid or just working in other ways. Work is a virtue, but this is not something you hear from the left or the liberals or the feminists. It's like, well, if you want to, you have to work. Right. Right. Well, and in, in, in your discussion in the book about career moms versus homemakers, which is an important discussion to have, regardless of where God has you, you're working hard. I mean, if you're home with your kids and you're raising babies and toddlers, as I've done and you've done, we know how hard that is. And if you are working outside the home or even from a job at home, that's hard work, too. But the point is that you need to display that virtue wherever you're called to display it. That's right. You work hard at home. You work hard at, at work. But the truth is, I can tell you, um, I mostly did work. And I think sometimes being home was much harder. You know? Yeah. <laughs> After a hectic weekend with kids and family and all that, <laughs> coming into an office, not that I didn't work very hard all along the way, but being a full-time homemaker is one of the toughest jobs in the world. I give tremendous credit to full-time homemakers. Totally right. Can you go back a little bit, because we touched on this and I want to readdress it. The idea of American exceptionalism obviously is under huge attack now, especially with the rise of critical race theory and intersectionality and all these nonsense philosophies that are ridiculous. How do we teach our daughters America is exceptional, here's why, and here's why America is worth defending? All right. Well, I think you have to keep a very close eye on what's being taught in your school, public and also many of the private ones. The socialists love to tear down America and, and to dwell on past uh, and current challenges instead of our greatness and, and all the things we've overcome. 
your daughter needs to read good history books, and I've suggested a number of them in How to Raise a Conservative Daughter, to know there's never been a freer, more prosperous nation than America. You have to watch. A lot of schools now are teaching this history. It's called the 1619 Project. Yes. It's grossly inaccurate. It suggests that the American Revolution was fought to defend slavery, to maintain white supremacy. No, no, no. It was an abuse of monarchy. That's that's what that was about. Yep. Critical race theory, you know, they're teaching this in too many schools now, Janet. Teaching little kids, a little five-year-old, oh, you're a racist just because you're white. I mean, that's outrageous. Or because you're dark, you're a, you're a victim. Um, you know, the way they teach about capitalism and, and, and socialism, it's... Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and the one thing I always like to say is, why, why don't they explain to us why these thousands and thousands of people from Central America who are seeking a better life, like, why aren't they marching down Venezuela, that socialist paradise, yeah. instead of twice as far up to America? Yeah. Because nobody wants to live there. Yeah. It's such a horrible disaster. They want to live in place where there's freedom and there's religious, uh, religious faith is allowed. So, you know, I talk in the book about ways to... Uh, politely ask and, and challenge teachers if your girl is so is so inclined. For example, she's singing the praises of the teachers of uh, of socialism, and and you can say, well, uh, can you share Nobel Prize winner uh, economist Milton Friedman's view on that? <laughs> there's always there's ways to try and make a point. Always be polite. We teach the young women be polite, be gracious, but you don't have to just lay down and accept things that you know are totally wrong. Well, and when you were emphasizing the importance of girls reading good history books, which is absolutely critical, what you're really doing with your daughter is you're educating your daughter and turning her into a thinker. And it seems to me that a whole lot of building the next generation of conservative women has to do with acknowledging we can think, we can reason, we can we can look at history and understand it. We don't need the lens of anything put on us by activists to understand basic truths about America in a about our freedom, uh, that's so critical to turn our girls into thinkers, people who will be that's able right. to engage with their teachers like that. That's right. And if you're not getting the appropriate history and the lessons in school, well, then parents have to think about it. That's, that's sort of my goal for the readers of this, for parents and grandparents and those who are involved in this to be thinking about conservative values and, and how to instill them through, you know, some real-life applications, how to strengthen and support their daughter's hearts and mind. It's not preaching at them. It's not lecturing to them. It's starting when they're younger, thinking about the things that are important to you and giving them opportunities to learn about it. You know, you really, it's time. It takes a lot of time. We're all so busy, moms and dads, but it's turning off the phone, it's closing up the laptop and spending the time. I mean, it's a privilege that parents and families have to do the teaching. And what a priceless and enduring gift for your young woman to spend a little more time and and clearly, more time today than you spent decades ago because yeah. Yeah. the culture is so very, very different today. Right. And making some of those adjustments, perhaps, and how much social media the girls consume. That's one step I know that is very important in a lot of homes because that's where a lot of girls are influenced. That's right. And I think parents, many of them, don't, don't understand how powerful social media is. You know, it's immensely influential. And at a minimum, as you said, you need to restrict it. I don't think you're going to be able to ban it because, you know, all the kids are doing it. But restrict it and have your daughter be involved in church groups, in clubs, in uh, 
in, in fulfilling pursuits like music, art, and sports. And so she's not, her life isn't dominated by staring at a screen. Yes. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's a babysitter. We know for little kids, TV and, 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 and computer screens. And as they get older, get them out, get them involved in other things. Their lives will be so much richer and uh, they'll be so much better off. There's so much garbage on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yep. Snapchat, all those. Yeah, you're so right, Michelle. Uh, great points and a great book, How to Raise a Conservative Daughter by Michelle Easton. CBLwomen.org is her website. Thank you so much, Michelle. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for all the good you're doing, Janet. Oh, God bless you. Thank you. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, one of the most important things for any Christian is to have a copy of God's Word. And can you imagine living in a country where you can't get a copy of the Bible? It would be unthinkable to most of us as Americans. And that's why we are really excited about our campaign with Bible League International to get Bibles to Africa, specifically 1,500 Bibles to Africa. $5 is all it takes to send one Bible. We're a little over halfway toward our goal. We really need you right now. If you'd like to help out, this is a terrific time to get involved. All you need to do is call 800 yes Word, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there is a Bible League banner to click over at JanetMefford.com. But we are so grateful to all of you listeners who have been involved with Bible League. I just think this is wonderful, just a fantastic opportunity for us as Christians to reach out to our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world and say, let us be a blessing to you. And for five bucks, I mean, you can't even get something at Starbucks almost for five bucks. So if you'd like to be part of our campaign, you're, you're obviously free to send way more than $5. If you'd like to, a gift of $50 or $100, we'll send more Bibles. Call now 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. Or again, there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Thank you guys so much. I came across a quote not too long ago from Jean-Baptiste Rousseau that I thought was very appropriate for our times. He said, the less reasonable a cult is, the more men seek to establish it by force. Does that ring a bell with anybody looking around the political spectrum right now? The less reasonable a cult is, the more men seek to establish it by force. So most of what the left is trying to shove down our throats and and all of those things that they are trying to shove down our throats tend to be met with a lot of resistance by clear thinking people. Then they get more forceful. There's a reason for this because it isn't reasonable what these people want to do. It isn't reasonable what they want to impose on this country. It's diabolical. In many cases, let me give you a case in point. COVID-19. Can we talk a little bit about this? Jen Psaki, the White House secretary, saying yesterday that the federal government is now flagging Facebook posts for COVID disinformation. Hang on a second. Weren't you the same people talking about Facebook being a private company? So if the federal government can control Facebook, then how in the world can the federal government not crack down on big tech? I'm just wondering how that works. But Jen Psaki is far from the only one out there trying to act like a 
well, let's say cult leader. Let's let's listen to some of these cuts. These were over at Breitbart, and I think these are well worth your time to hear because the more that people in the United States push back against a diabolical government that is out of control and say no, 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 and no, the more forceful they become because that's what happens when a cult is unreasonable. Let's listen first to MSNBC anchor Stephanie Rule's show. This was on her show on Wednesday, talking with CNBC host Andrew Ross Sorkin about the fact that we have got to make these private companies force people to have vaccines. Listen to what this guy says. Listen to cut one. The only way to to change the dynamic, especially in places where there is a hesitancy, is to have a, a requirement. If you can't walk into a Walmart or work at a Walmart without a vaccination, especially in states where there is a hesitancy, that's going to actually change the dynamic. If you can't get on an airplane without a vaccination, that is going to change the dynamic. The airlines took an enormous amount of taxpayer money, enormous amount of taxpayer money. We have all supported them. Enormous. And there has been, and there has been very little support on the other side, I'm sorry to say. Well, you know Thank that you airlines for saying it. It's important to say it out loud. Did you know, Andrew, and uh, they, had, they faced a ton of opposition and they were, they were alone and they had to ultimately back off. So uh, they're dealing with the same forces that the rest, that everyone else is dealing with, customers, employers, et cetera. We've got to get everybody in the country. We've got to continue to make the case because employers are running into the same wall. That OK, we are yes. A- Andy, we have to leave it there. They have to deal with customers. They have to deal with employees. They wouldn't have either one if the government hadn't given them billions and billions of dollars last year. So maybe they could pay the government back and say, yes, we're going to help try to get people vaccinated. And for those who are vaccine hesitant, don't just talk to your doctor. Call Donald Trump's doctor. Call Rupert Murdoch's doctor. You don't need to watch their news organizations. You know what their doctors will tell you? Those men got vaccinated. These people are off the wall. They're off the wall. Walmart is going to tell you you have to have a vaccine because businesses like Walmart took government money. No, last I checked, the government doesn't have any money. The only money that the government has is the money they took from us. So let's get this straight. Second of all, what happened to the concept of a private business being private and having its own rules and regulations because the government does not run the world. I know it's lost on these people because they worship at the foot of the golden calf of government, but not all of us have signed on to that. And by the way, most people who have refused to take the COVID-19 vaccine thus far have great reasons for it, which I'm going to get into in just a couple of minutes. But we don't object to other people getting it. I don't care if anybody gets a COVID-19 vaccine, knock yourself out. If you're a vulnerable person, you're an elderly person, or you've uh, got some kind of other underlying health condition that would make you more worried about getting COVID-19 and the potential for getting super sick or dying, get the vaccine. I have no problem with that. That's not what people are thinking when they're not getting the vaccine. They have reasons. Now, let's go to the former head of HHS. I know you've missed Kathleen Sebelius, but she's even more dictatorial in her thoughts on the whole issue of you must get a vaccine. Listen to cut two. We are in a situation where we have a wildly effective vaccine, multiple choices, lots available free of charge and we have folks who are just saying i won't do it i think that it's time to say to those folks it's fine if you don't choose to get vaccinated you may not 
come to work. You may not have access to a situation where you're going to put my grandchildren in jeopardy, where you might kill them, where you might put them in a situation where they're going to carry the the virus to someone in a high-risk position. That's, I think, the point where we are is freedom is one thing, but freedom when you harm others like secondhand smoke and um, issues that we've dealt with very clearly in the past. You can't drive drunk. You can drink, but you can't drive drunk because you can injure other people. You can't smoke inside of a public place where you can give cancer to someone else in spite of their never having been a smoker. So I think we're reaching that point in the United States where those of us who are vaccinated, I want to take off my mask. I want to be able to live my life with vaccination. And right now I'm being impinged on by people who say, I don't want to get vaccinated. It's fine, but I want them to maybe have a limitation on where they can go and who they can possibly infect. Oh, yeah, because I'm going to kill your grandchildren if I don't get the vaccine. That's not science at all. Then that was on CNN. Then you have Dr. Lena Wen on CNN, who's now a medical contributor, but former head of Planned Parenthood, all of a sudden caring an awful lot about life. Cut three. I think this really depends on what it is that we do at this point. So now we have this Delta variant that is much more contagious. Because it's more contagious, it's going to be even harder for us to reach herd immunity. We're going to have to vaccinate an even higher proportion of people to get there. What happens then if we end up having another variant developing that's even more contagious, that could cause more disease, that could evade the protection of our immune system? And so how quickly we get this under control and which way we go depends on what we do now when it comes to vaccination, to overcoming disinformation. And what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. Right now, it's kind of the opposite. It's fine. I mean, it's easy if you're unvaccinated. You can do everything you want to do anyway. But at some point, these mandates by workplaces, by schools, I think it will be important to say, hey, you can opt out. But if you want to opt out, you have to sign these forms. You have to get twice weekly testing. Basically, we need to make getting vaccinated the easy easy choice. That is what it's going to take for us to actually end the pandemic. These people are serious. They're they're off their rockers. Lena Wen, who is the head of the biggest baby killing enterprise in the United States, all of a sudden cares so much about life that she wants tyrants to be in charge of whether or not you get a vaccine. Are you buying this? Are you are you looking at this and seeing what I'm seeing? We're going to take a quick break. I have a lot to say when we come back. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Did you miss the deadline to sign up for a healthcare program at the end of 2020? If so, I have good news. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th, meaning that if you're looking to enroll in a new healthcare program for 2021, you can do so without the need for a qualifying event. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their healthcare needs. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that offers affordable healthcare sharing programs starting as low as $199 per month. Liberty HealthShare gives you the ability to choose any doctor or hospital across the nation. Memberships are for individuals, couples, and families 
offering a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. When this young mom came to a preborn center, she was planning to have an abortion. But after receiving love and support and meeting her baby on ultrasound, she chose life. When I walked in for the ultrasound and I saw my baby and I heard his heartbeat, my mind changed completely. I couldn't do that to my baby. I decided to keep it. Preborn partners with clinics in cities with the highest abortion rates in the country. Will you help preborn save these precious lives? When a mom in crisis sees her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life. And that's just the beginning of the story. I know that with support and with God by my side, I'll be able to do this, not just for me, but for my baby. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a pre-born banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, if we listen to the progressive pundits... Private companies ought to force you to have a vaccine or you can't use their services. You can't come into Walmart. You can't get on an airplane. You can't go about doing your business as a normal person unless you're vaccinated. I I have responses to this. Uh, Also, we learned that if you don't get a vaccine, you shouldn't be able to work. That's Kathleen Sebelius, queen of Obamacare. She thinks that. Uh, And if you don't have a vaccine, you shouldn't be able to have access to kids because you might kill her grandchildren. Has she looked at the COVID rates for kids. Just wonder. No, but it's all about science. And then Lena Wen, the head of Planned Parenthood, formerly, says, if you don't get a vaccine, life needs to be hard for you. It needs to be really hard. In other words, we're going to punish you for not getting a vaccine. Let me go through some of these reasons that people don't get vaccines that actually are good reasons. And I also have a new report to tell you about because this stuff is coming at us like a fire hose right now. They are so mad that Americans are acting like free citizens that they're going nuts and they're saying all kinds of insane things and they're dead serious. They're not even trying to hide what they think in terms of what they believe tyranny should be able to accomplish. You know, you got to be in the COVID cult and therefore you go along with absolutely everything the government tells you, even though we know that Fauci is a liar. Fauci has lied to the American people again and again and again. He ought to be fired and then investigated for what happened funding the Wuhan lab. And I guess that was just swept under the rug. And Francis Collins, he should be held accountable and fired, too. We're not going to talk about that. Get the jab. That's it. Now, let me ask you, if you've ever had COVID-19, are you worried about getting it again? Because I have this report on this new study that's been done. This was actually reported in Christianity Daily, but it was about a story in the Times of Israel. The Blaze also reported on it. There is preliminary data out now on patients who have had COVID-19 and recovered. The report showed that these recovered patients may be better protected from reinfection or breakthrough cases than those who got inoculated. Huh. Since May 1st, 72 patients who were previously infected with COVID got the disease again. So that's 1% of confirmed new cases were people who already had had COVID-19. This is compared to, oh yeah, 3,000 
vaccinated individuals who got infected with COVID, accounting for 40 percent of new infections. That's a big difference, isn't it? People who had the vaccine accounted for 40 percent of new infections. People who had recovered from COVID accounted for one percent. So who's better protected against COVID-19? Well, according to this data that's just been released, looks like the people who've had COVID-19 and recovered, which is an awful lot of us. This data, they say, led some experts to conclude that immunity to COVID is stronger among those who had been infected with the coronavirus versus those who got the jab. According to The Blaze, the UK and Israel are two countries that offer exemplary data into the effects of the COVID vaccine and how effective it is in protecting against the disease. Comparing European countries by recent cases per million versus vaccination rates reveals that there is no correlation. In addition, Eastern European countries who have lower vaccination rates appear to have had fewer cases of COVID. Oh, Sibelius is just going to go nuts. Ryan Cole, a Mayo Clinic trained pathologist, said a natural infection induces hundreds upon hundreds of antibodies against all proteins of the virus, including the envelope, the membrane, the nucleocapsid, and the spike. Dozens upon dozens of these antibodies neutralize the virus when encountered again and goes into a longer uh, description of all of the good things about natural immunity. You think the government cares about natural immunity? Get the jab. Well, what if I have natural immunity? Why should I get the jab if I have natural immunity? Why? I'm better protected, according to the data that's coming out, against COVID-19 than you are if you got the jab and never had COVID-19 at all. You want to talk about that science? They don't want to talk about that. Not to mention the fact that we, we keep seeing these new reports about the vaccines that are already out there. So, for example, Dr. Andrew Boston, the epidemiologist that we've had on many times, reported on this story from Reuters that Europe's drug regulator says it has assessed nine cases of an autoimmune blood condition that occurred in people who had Moderna's mRNA COVID vaccine. So they're looking into that. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been in the news quite a bit. It might soon come out with a warning label, and they report the FDA is adding this warning to the vaccine put out by Johnson & Johnson because of a link to a rare neurological condition, Guillain-Barre syndrome. And if you know anybody who's had Guillain-Barre syndrome, it's not a fun thing to get. So there are problems with some of the vaccines. And of course, they'll come back. There are always problems. Well, okay, but that's not nothing. So if somebody says, I have health reasons for not wanting to get the vaccine, or if somebody says, I've already had COVID-19 and I have natural immunity, how are you supposed to make the case that they should be forced to get it? Not to mention the fact that there are treatments for COVID-19, hydroxychloroquine. We have the plasma treatments that have been done successfully. In our family, we had someone with COVID who had the plasma treatment and recovered in the hospital. So it happens. Not to mention the fact that the company angle is ridiculous. Companies need to force vaccines. I have flown umpteen times during the pandemic. They have air filters that are very, very, very effective. Of course, they still have the dumb mask mandates, which they should lift because masks don't work. If you're sick, you shouldn't get on the airplane. I'm all for that. There are no major outbreaks linked to airplanes. Why would you force United Airlines or American Airlines or any of the other airlines to force vaccinations on people? None of this makes any sense. And what about the fact that the vaccines are not FDA approved? These are emergency allowances that are going on. Or if you've been vaccinated, how about this argument? Why are you worried if I'm not vaccinated? Because you're not going to get it. Oh, wait a minute. 40% of new cases are vaccinated people. Well, maybe you will get it. But if I'm not sick, how do you catch it? I'm 
again, we're back to the same thing. If you go into a store and you have symptoms of COVID, you shouldn't go in. You should stay home if you're sick. If you're perfectly healthy, what threat are you to anybody else? We're acting like nuts. And if people have symptoms, they should stay home. But why would you ban healthy people? Now, here's the other thing. If the rest of the population takes it, and I think we're just almost to 70% of the population, there's herd immunity. None of this makes sense, but it makes sense if you understand what this federal government is about. It's about force. It's about control. It's about power. And you look at what they do when they have power. Have you seen this story about the FBI mishandling the Nasser USA gymnastics abuse case? It's a horrible story. They made fundamental errors, AP says, in investigating sexual abuse allegations against former USA Gymnastics national team Dr. Larry Nasser. They didn't treat the case with utmost seriousness. This is from the Justice Department's Inspector General. So they're all corrupt and lying over there. They've been lying for years. Then you have the issue of another story that came out. Uh, relating to the Commerce Department. This is via the Federalist from a new oversight report. The Department of Commerce unit illegally spied on Americans. Oh, surely not the American government. What are you talking about? How could this happen? There's no deep state. Okay, well, they talk about a particular ITMS unit. This is the Investigations and Threat Management Service at the Department of Commerce. They say in this report acted as a rogue, unaccountable police force across multiple presidential administrations for approximately 16 years. For example, under the Obama administration, the ITMS began regularly conducting criminal investigations related to threats against the secretary and departmental assets and eventually began using counterintelligence tools to gather information about both foreign visitors and U.S. citizens. The ITMS unit continued these activities until early in the Biden administration, despite lacking proper authorization to perform law enforcement functions on behalf of the Commerce Department. So you have that. As well. So you want your federal government to be telling you, you better do it or else. And if we can't force you to take the vaccine, we're going to make your life miserable and we're going to put pressure on private companies. I don't believe you care about my health, federal government. I don't think you care at all. And you know what? I have a lot of company in this country. I think there are millions of us who are the same way. We have watched what you people have done over the last several years. You are without trust, not to mention all the things we talked about on yesterday's show concerning the stolen election. And yeah, I'll say it because we're seeing on and on and on and on again, evidence talking about what's going on in Georgia, what's going on in Arizona. It's just absolutely incredible. It's incredible. There was news out yesterday, 74,243 mail-in ballots were found where there's no clear record of them ever being sent. This is from Arizona. But we're supposed to trust the federal government. We're supposed to trust the Democrats. They just care about your health, honey. They care about your health. And and if you don't go along with what they say, they're going to make you do it. Well, why don't you just slap a 666 on our foreheads and wrists while you're at it on the backs of our hands, right? No, thank you. You know, my body, my choice, Lena Wen. Isn't that what your excuse was for slaughtering babies in the womb who did nothing except exist? because of the hand of God? Who are you to be talking about life and the importance of life? You don't care about life at all. These people just need to be held accountable, folks, and we are the people who need to do that. Thank you for being with us on Janet Meffer today. Always a pleasure to have you here. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.